Coming up on the Cattle Barons Club Podcast. Today we're breaking down Walter Mitty Syndrome. The prison that many guys live in, you know, living in their fantasy world because their real world is so unbearable and, you know, an unwillingness to take the steps to break out of that bubble, you know, just to be comforted by the, the fantasy. So we'll break down the unbearable land coming up. Real men talking about real topics. Here at the Cattle Barons Club, we'll hash out just about anything. If it's important to guys, we'll talk about it. So crack open a cold one and pull up a seat. The Cattle Barons Club podcast starts now. You know, uh, I got to be honest with you, Billy. You know what's more? I have had a run-in with coffee twice this week. Well, you were working the morning show, so you probably already heard me talk about this. Right. But, okay, so earlier this week... Keurig, fire it up, forget to put the mug in. That was one. Two, two, I've done it a few times. Two was this morning, I, I get out of the pickup, I set my coffee mug on on the, the bed rail, and I go to grab it, and it's kind of, it's not a Yeti, because I'm I'm cheap. Right. It's, <laughs> it's the knockoff. And I, so the lid doesn't fit like a Yeti lid. And I pick it up, and I drop it, and as it's dropping coffee, I'm, I'm, I mean, like, signif- enough coffee down my suit to pull out the creases in my suit. Jeez. Yes, I swear. And thank God it was a, na- you know, dark navy suit. I was like, golly. So that's been my morning. Nothing you'd, worse. You know, a morning like coffee as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Wait, what did you say? Said a morning without coffee. I was trying oh, to come morning up, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what a morning without coffee is <laughs> yeah, like. I know, right? It was like I. It's just been one of those weeks, you know. Like, I just I don't know. Like I've slept enough and stuff, but I just can't seem to get in the the rhythm. You know, I've just right. been dragging like every day I wake up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I think it's just working. Uh, I mean, you're up to six days a week now too. Right. You know, but gosh, I can't even whine because your days are what 10? ten. Ten hours. hours? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, went, oh in my at, gosh. went in at 4.30 this morning. Of course, that's nothing compared to your 2 a.m. Well, still, though, you were there a lot longer. I mean, you literally came straight from work over here to do the do the podcast. I've been off gallivanting about town for, you know, a couple hours. So, I mean, 10-hour uh, days, man, that's a long one. And, uh, okay, so you probably are in the perfect situation to slip and or fall into Walter Mitty syndrome sitting back there in master control. Have you ever found yourself doing that? Not, not so much. I mean, okay. you know, occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll watch a movie. I've been binge watching right. Sherlock Holmes lately. Right. And then, you know, I play fantasy role playing games online. Have you started watching Shrine yet? I've not. Billy, gosh dang it. Okay. Do it now. You have to. Tonight. Shrine. Shrine. Okay. Netflix. So good. I'll check it out. So good. Anyway, so uh, before we digress too much, we're talking about Walter Mitty syndrome, which Billy's going to have to lead this one because I'm not super up on the topic um but and we're not talking about the movie we're talking about the book right right so um what so walter mitty walter mitty complex is described in reddit depression comments it says walter mitty syndrome is when you daydream about yourself being in another life as much or even more than you pay attention to your real life interesting the name comes from a short story where the main character thinks up exciting scenarios for himself in his head when he's bored Okay. And then it says, uh, the next one is from richardpettymd.com. It says, what is a Walter Mitty personality? Mitty was a meek, mild man with a vivid fantasy life. 
In a few dozen paragraphs, he imagines himself a wartime pilot, an emergency room surgeon, and a devil-may-care killer. The hmm. Walter Mitty syndrome is clearly related. People, people use fantasy to escape from their normal lives. That's understandable. I don't know if I've ever found my... Well, no, I could definitely think of times where I've fallen into Walter Mitty syndrome. But like when I find myself daydreaming the most like so when I first get to work in the morning and I'm doing like my mundane part of my forecast just just basically averaging numbers more times than not I'll get like halfway through doing those equations right and I realize like I'm not even thinking about the equations I'm like totally off in no man's land thinking about something completely different which is interesting so I don't know if that's really like Walter Mitty syndrome or or what but um I know that's one time for me when I'm like, you know, it's just something where it's like that mundane. I do it every day and I just like next thing I know, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, where, where am I? <laughs> you know, and, and I will admit, I mean, not so much in Master Control. It seems like mm-hmm. that would be a natural place to do that. But, you would think. But there's been many times in my life where I have slipped into Walter Mitty syndrome. You know, there's yeah. been times where, you know, I, I, you know, find myself thinking, you know, I'm so busy and concerned about being who I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm like, do I even know who I really am? Sure. And in, in those moments, those fantasies come in, you're like, what if I would have taken that, you know, that class and actually went to class? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I would have gone to law school or maybe, you know, if I would have talked to this girl that was smiling at me and I just didn't have the courage. Or right. What would have happened if I would have, you know, pushed this, that or other with the bands I was in, you know? Right. Um, right. You know, just a lot of lot of little things like that. Just you know, going back and regrets and where Walter Mitty syndrome, I think, becomes Walter Mitty syndrome, and it becomes unhealthy. Is you know when a person begins to try to to relive the life that's gone on past them. You know, um, there's nothing I can do to do my 20s differently. Right. There's nothing that I can do to do the 30s, you know, differently. Right. You know, all I can do is focus like, okay, you know, I'm sort of midway into my 40s. Mm-hmm. What do you know, how do I make the best of the rest of it? Yeah. You know, yeah. but th- that's that's healthy thing. And, and I think it's totally healthy to daydream about things that you could possibly do, things that you could possibly achieve. You know, like you like to talk about the positive thinking, the, yes. you know, that kind of thing. See, right. I, see, there's a difference between that and Walter Mitty syndrome. Okay. Okay. You know, like the thinking bro rich stuff, the whole visualization, yeah. you know, when you're visualizing yourself two years from now, and, you know, you got the beautiful woman on your arm, you're a bit more successful in your career, mm-hmm. and you're doing more interesting things. See, that's healthy. That's creative visualizations. Okay. Like visualizing what you want and just to saying, hey, this is this is the way it's going to be. Right. Versus reliving your 20s. Okay. So would Walter Mitty syndrome be more of like reliving? Would it be more on the unhealthy side? See, I think it's very unhealthy. And, okay. So if you look at the story, the guy, you know, he has this very obnoxious, overbearing wife. You know, you, you, you figure out in the first paragraph, this mm-hmm. guy is brutally henpecked. <laughs> you know, and so the woman, she yells at him, she says, you need to go get some overshoes. It's rainy, so you need to get some overshoes so you don't get your real shoes wet. Oh, my gosh. And he's just kind of like, yes, dear. And off he goes, and as he's walking to the store to do, you know, those like you know, honeydew things. Yeah, right. You know, suddenly the story shifts, and he's in, he's in a plane, you know, fighting the fighting the Nazis. Jeez. You know, in, in the air. And it's just a vivid story, his vivid imagination. And okay. suddenly he's at the pharmacy getting this, that, and the other. And then he goes and then, 
you know, not just as just not just an emergency room surgeon. Mm-hmm. He's in there, and it's this this guy that's on the table is a big deal. He's a you know a friend of President Roosevelt, and then he you know the, the guy's life's on the line, and he envisions some innovative, you know, amazing house MD kind of thing yeah. to save the guy's life, and he's the hero of the day, you know. But you're talking about a guy in the story. You kind of imagine him late forties, early fifties, right? You know, right. Kind of midlife crisis area. Yeah, you're not joining, you know, when you're in their 50s, you're not joining the military. Right. And you're probably not going to med school. Probably. No, unless you want to be like a 90-year-old surgeon, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, you know, be a 90-year-old surgeon with $100,000 worth of, you know, student loans. You know, Mm -hmm. that just doesn't sound. Yeah, your kids will love you for that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so that brings up the topic. When is Walter Mitty syndrome too too much? Like, how how do you limit yourself from slipping into that? If you find yourself doing the daydreaming thing, you know, and and you're taking it that far, uh, when is too far, and when do you kind of try to revert that thinking back to something more? I don't know. I think the first thing that you notice is hopelessness when you okay. absolutely stop setting goals for yourself. Okay. When you absolutely stop thinking about the future. You know, and when you get to that place, you you know, you slowly but surely move to a place where, you know, the yesterday was so wonderful, yeah. And each each day of the present going into the future is worse than the next. Interesting. Okay. You know, I think that's a psychological thing that we get trapped into is looking back and totally idealizing. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I know guys that, you know completely idealize about high school. They're 40 years old and they talk about high school antics all the time. Oh yes. They talk yes. about their, their sports days. They talk about yep. that. They just, they, you know, and they can't move on. They, they cannot move on from that time. Right. And I've had teachers like that. Right. Who literally like the only reason they're a high school teacher or a college professor is because they just couldn't move freaking on. Literally. Like, right. you know, right away. Cause they just talk about, it, talk about, it, talk about, it, talk about it. And you're like, wait a minute here. Like you just literally don't want to leave. Like you can't move on from your, you know, high school championship football team or anything like that. Right. It's interesting. It's just such a seminal moment. And you know, the, the, the further away they get from it, the more miserable they become. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. And you know, like for me, you know, I, there's times in my life that I tend to idolize, idealize maybe a little bit too much, you know, early days of college and whatnot. High school, I barely even remember, you know, yeah. so, somebody will bring up something from high school. And I'm like, wow. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. I must've been mm-hmm. a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Billy was a pompous, uh, yeah, I don't know what something. I can say. I can't, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, no, that's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. No, I sit there and trying to think like, cause the more I think about it, like every time I've kind of like daydreamed or, or started to slip into that realm of things, I've taken steps to achieve that. Right. So like a big one for me was, was I was, um, you know, big into hockey officiating as a kid, right? Like, you know, uh, middle school, like I started in sixth grade, then middle school, uh, I got out of hockey and just started officiating full time. And uh, I made it very high very quickly and and really could have pretty much gone wherever I wanted with it. But it just at that point, my life wasn't the lifestyle for me. So you fast forward, you know, five, six years down the road and you're like, gosh, like, I wonder if I could be doing the NHL right now or I wonder if I could be doing, you know, tier one college right now, you know, like NCAA. And so anyways, like when I started getting to that point, at the time, you know, I had postponed hockey and, you know, was pursuing broadcasting and other things. So, uh, but I got back into it 
and it was a royal pain because I literally had to start at the bottom of the, the barrel and work my way back up. But basically, I worked myself to where I was and a little bit higher than where I was. And that's when I realized in my mind, I was like, this isn't the lifestyle for me. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. I love fishing. But that lifestyle it takes for that job just wasn't for me. So I don't know. For me, when I felt, I, again, I didn't know what this syndrome was. I didn't understand it. But to me, it was like, okay, I feel this this urge where I'm like reliving it, like what ifing it. So I'm going to take steps to go accomplish it. You know, um, that's me. And I don't know. I mean, at some point you can't obviously do that. Like you said, like high school, I can't like go back 20 years and redo high school, right? you know, but, um, I don't know what's to say that like somebody who's not having these daydreaming thoughts doesn't make life changing choices to pursue something or, or test the water a little bit, you know? I mean, my mom, um, you know, she's one, like she could never really swim. Right. You know, she would go in water and stuff. My mom's like, gosh, what is she? This is a horrible, I can't even remember. My mom's just shy of 70, you know, so she's well in her 60s when she de- decided to take swimming lessons. And now she can swim. Huh. You know, but it was one of those things where she was like, I don't know if it was to the point of like daydreaming and like losing yourself in it, but it was like, I, I've never really learned to swim. It's something, it scares me and intimidates me, uh, but she did it in her 60s. So who's to say if you're 60, 70, even 80 years old listening to this podcast and you're daydreaming, drifting off in no man's land, putting yourself in some little foreign land that doesn't even exist, who's to say you can't make some changes and, and maybe get a little closer to that world? We I mean, know, what do you think? We know, I've seen like news reports of you know, v, you know, World War II veterans going yeah. back and finishing college, finishing a high school diploma. Yeah. You know, and- Well, and people, you know, and that's what bothers me, though, is people chirp them for that. You know, you get like somebody who say like 70 years old and they just want to finish like a college degree or something. Right. And people are like, you're 80 years old. What are you doing? Or you're 70 years old. What are you doing? Because it's just like they're just trying. (laughs) Why are you chirping them for that? Just let them do what they want to do. You know, know, that 80 years, that 80 year old, you know, him going and getting that degree Mm -hmm. and that study, that's probably keeping him from his mind from aging yeah you know it's, right. it's probably staving off dementia it's probably staving off depression mm-hmm. you know there's probably probably all sorts of good I'm valuable sure. things that are happening you know and you'll notice the, these older people that that go back to school or these older people that hang out with their teenage grandkids mm-hmm. you know they age much slower oh yeah you know they really do yep but um you know and thinking about walter mitty syndrome and the unhealthy side of it you know i think of you know, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, sure, yeah. The song, you know... I think I got that on an LP back here. I'm 90% I, sure. I've had like three LPs of that, I don't, you know. Really? Either I wear it out or I load it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, right, no kidding. It's got one, like, one line through the vinyl, you know. It's like, the needle can't move off of that song anymore. Right. But, you know, the, the lyric, hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. But I think yep. it's not just the English way. I think it's like Western civilization's way. Oh, yeah. You know, just hanging on and cut quite, you know, you know, like living your life, hoping something will change, hoping something will break till you right. get to the point where you have absolutely nothing to look forward to with hope and nothing to look back on with pride. What an awful existence. Right. You know, okay, so that kind of brings up this morning. I was listening to, so like, I, I, I really enjoy oldies music, if you haven't figured that out yet. And I was listening to Adele Shannon's song. And uh, 
So I was doing a little research. I was like, gosh, you know, like, I mean, I know who Del Shannon is. I know a lot of his records, all that. But I was like, like, I think his last concert was like 1989, something like that. And I'm like, well, God, he doesn't look that old. Like, when did this guy die? So I start looking it up, you know, and granted, he was a big booze hound, right. but uh, shot himself because of depression. You know, he like slipped into that. Somebody as successful as somebody like Del Shannon, you know, slips into this 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 mold of depression and just can't seem to break out. And it's like, so I mean, it's it's a real thing. And I think that's a whole that touches on a whole other topic of you know men's mental health and whatnot. But I mean, that's still kind of on that line. But you know, it's really it's that is kind of tragic to think that even somebody who is accomplished. Who has done right. um, like um, Jaco Pistorius of the Weather Report, one of the best bass guitar players to ever grace the face of the planet? Right, and you know he rose to just these huge lofty heights. The yeah, Weather Report, his band was you know at one point the biggest jazz band that ever was. Right, they were on the Midnight Special. They were right. on the same venues that pop and rock artists were, which was unheard of for jazz, particularly mm-hmm. in that day. And he got to a point where you know the, the drugs and whatnot started taking over. And I knew a guy who knew him, and you know, we were talking about him. He said, you know, I, I looked at him. He said he was all blazed, you know, Jeez. on something. And I said, what's wrong? What happened to you? And his response was, I can't make it move. Weird, you know. I, I but I get that. You know, he he had risen. He had become the most, you know, the ultimate bass guitar player. Yeah. And he couldn't take it any further. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and and so because he couldn't take it any further, it was it was driving him mad. You know, That's interesting. I could see that being something that would slip you into this whole Walter Mitty thing. You know, I mean, you, you've been at the top. How do you accept the fact that you're never going to be there again? Right. You know, I mean, that's got to be a heck of a deal. Um, I mean, that's something even, you know, with me, me with hockey. I'm probably never going to be to the level I used to be. Granted, it's not like I was in the NHL or anything. Right. But, um, and and that's interesting because you look a lot like a lot of artists. Well, Fair and Young, you know, he was another one. Now, granted, I think he shot himself because of illness. I don't know, but um, well, George Jones, dang near, you know, boozed himself to death. Drove the lawnmower to the bar, you know? right? Exactly, you know, and, until his significant other finally uh, finally came around. Uh, what was it Nancy? Nancy Jones? I gosh, my friend's gonna beat me for this. I can't even remember. But anyways, um. I think it was Nancy. Anyways, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like he, he's a prime example. When you get as big as George Jones, you know, you're so drunk, you're not even showing up to concerts anymore because there again, how do you how do you peak? You don't <laughs> there's nowhere to go. You know, you you just have to accept it. And I think that's where, again, another topic for a different day. But I think that that's where your faith comes in, too. You know, that it's like you just got to at some point you got to like. Realize it's not about you and your existence here. You right. know, it's not. You know, th- th- you're you're a you're a puppet, really, in the big scheme of things. Like it's 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 this isn't up to you. This isn't your plan. You know, you think you can control it, but you can't. And again, I think that's a whole topic for another day. But but no, I could really see being a successful superstar like that. Um, that would be tough to overcome. That when you've been on the top. But look at all the people who have done well with it, though. You know, you look at mm-hmm. the, like the Roger Daltrey of the Who. You know, they they yep. occasionally tour. You yep. know, and they talk about their glory days, and they sort of recognize, hey, you know, right. we're we're a relic of the past, but we're celebrating where we've been, what yep. we're doing. 
Rolling Stones, you know. Yeah. They, they haven't had a hit single in probably 30 years, but they're still out there. They're playing, right. you know. Right. They're doing what they do, and right. it makes them happy, and it probably makes them some change, you know, right. no doubt. And Exactly. I think, yeah. I mean, it's so much of a, of a mindset. What kind of mindset? Okay, so take somebody like, okay, I feel like I'm throwing Del Shannon under the bus here. Take somebody like Del Shannon and the Stones. What's the difference in mentality there then? You know, they both been on top of the charts. Right. Why is one person fall into that syndrome or that 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 mindset and why is the other person not? What do you, why? I don't know. You know, I saw something on Facebook that really interested me. Usually these things I just kind of uh, whatever and scroll mm-hmm. past, but right. but it said it said this it said that the the same boiling water that softened the potato mm-hmm. hardened the egg. Ooh, that's man, that's good. That's deep. But think about Jeez. it. You know, it's it's how the, the same boiling water. I got to remember the same boiling water that softened the potato, boiled the egg, hardened. Yeah, made the or egg hardened egg. the egg. So you know, the the, the the thing is not so much even the environment. And think about you know, in this day and age, everybody's talking about a level playing field. We've got to level the no, playing field. No, 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 but no. but think about on the most level and equitable of playing fields, yeah. some people are going to play ball like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Yes, you know, hundred percent. And some people are going to play ball like I do. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Understandable. You know, yeah. It's, no, it's, that's a good point. All things are equitable, but you can't, there's certain things that you can't, you know, force equality upon. Right. Some people are born with some gifts. Yeah. Um, there's probably things that I can do, you know, that Babe Ruth probably couldn't play guitar like I could. Right. You know. Well, um, and I think at some point you just have to be okay with what you have to offer. Right. You know, I mean, like. You know, whether you're, a, you know, a guitarist, or whether you're a singer, whether you're a podcaster, who the hell cares what you do, as long as, like, that's your talent, you're pursuing it, and you're doing it to the best of your ability, that's a success, in my opinion. If you're a good janitor, that's a good, that's a success to me. Right. You know, if that's your calling in life, great. If, if you, and then this is not a derogatory thing, if you manage the McDonald's down the street and that's your, that's what you're good at and that's what you enjoy, boom, awesome, fantastic. You have to, in your mind, know that, like, listen, that's your talent. That's what you're good at. Right. Own it. And and don't, like, you know, just because you're, just because you may think, oh, I'm just the manager at the McDonald's down the street. That doesn't matter. The, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. You know, that's what your talent is. That's where you're good at. That's where God put you in that position to do, you know? So it's like, yeah, you may never be, you know, the next Carrie Underwood or whatever, or George right. Strait. Who the heck cares? And how many of those people who are the, 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 those who have risen to the pinnacle, how many of them think, you know, I would have been a good teacher. Yeah. You know? Oh, I, sure. And I've heard of that. And I've, you know, like uh, <clears throat> Freddie Mercury of Queens said, you know, I'm one of the most famous artists in the world, but I'm like one of the most lonely human beings ever been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's well, I can understand that. You know, it's sort of alienating. Right. But um but yeah, you know, it's you know, you, you one of the best examples of that I I think and I kind of had this experience a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. I'm a Trekkie, you know. Oh yeah. Nothing I'm a, wrong with that. But I remember the episode where Wesley Crusher's getting ready to go to Starfleet Academy and he's talking with mm-hmm. Picard and Picard says, "Look up this guy. His name is Boothby. And he is the <laughs> most intelligent man I've ever known." Okay. And Wesley Crusher looks at him and says, well, what class does he teach? Picard looks at him and says, he doesn't teach any class. He's the gardener. He keeps the grounds at Starfleet. Yeah. He's still the smartest man. So this guy who was the gardener, right. you know, mentored 
and according to the story, mentored several of the big people that, you know, but I, but I knew people like that in college. They were very smart, very intelligent, had a lot to offer, a lot to right. teach. Right. But they were janitors. They were groundspeople. Yeah. Um, they Who worked the heck on, cares? They worked on the dairy farm. You know? Right. And some of those people, I learned more from those than a lot of the professors that, you know. Yeah. I some of the there. most, the, the, the smartest, most intellectual people I've ever known in my life, farmers. Oh, ranchers, yeah. these little, you know, it, it, it's always so funny because they're always like, oh, you know, farmer, rancher, there's a dumb old farmer, just a dumb old rancher. Dude, these guys are freaking brilliant, okay? They're the ones who can tell you what the weather's going to do in three or four days without even, like, looking at a forecast. Oh, yeah, my, my grandfather you know? was the same. I mean, he would watch the, the you know, the meteorologist on television basically just to confirm what he already knew. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, No, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, those are some of the most smart people in the world. And um, again, they're looked down upon, you know, it's like they're not the intelligent ones. Okay. Okay. All right. You think what you want. You think what you want. So I think a lot of it's just like in your own mind, you know, get out of your head. It's, Get it's, out of your head. Somebody was complaining to me the other day. I can't remember who it was, but they were complaining about how there's never any good, solid people in politics. There's no honest politicians. And I, and I thought about that for a moment, and I came up with an answer. You know, my answer was the people who are intelligent enough and have the, the, the level of integrity <laughs> that is needed to properly lead this country, they don't want to tolerate the dog no. and pony show. that no. is our, Those people, they're, they're not going to waste their life dealing with that garbage. 100% not. We have a system that only encourages really the most histrionic, you know, the most right. self-serving, yep. you know, narcissistic personality disorders. You right. Know, that, that's what our current system so true. is is gamed for. You know, mm-hmm. and you can blame it on lots of people, blame it on the media, blame it on us for voting for people who are clearly, right. you know. Um, but it's been a system created to uphold that type of person. Right. You know, I mean, that, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And uh, no, I mean, I, I can think of people right now that, you know, would be fantastic politicians. They can get things done. You know, they have great, that's the dog drinking water, clearly. You done? Just life stuff, you know. No worries. Yeah, you done, Hunter? Okay, he's done for now. Anyways, but no, I could think of lots of people who are, would be fantastic in that role. Would they ever, ever waste their time putting up with that nonsense? No, because they're doers. They get things done, and they know dang well that going to Congress is not going to help them get things done, whether it be in their own life or on a national level. You know, golly. And and people complain, you know, they complain about Obama. They complain about Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've heard heard people complain very much about both guys. Oh, yeah. But the the bottom line is, is that you don't rise to that level of business and politics by being a Boy Scout. No, you do not. No, you do not. The the famed author Honoré de Balzac once said that all great dynasties have criminal acts somewhere in their genesis. Right. Nobody has wealth or power and com- has complete clean hands, and no, complete innocence. Not at all. You know, not at all. Yep. No, that's so true. That's so true. So, I mean, I think at some point, you know, bringing it back to the the syndrome and, and thinking about that, at some point, you just have to be okay with where you are and what you do have to offer. And look at the fact that, like, maybe you're a painter. You know, my dad has done f- very well for himself by being a general contractor and a painter. Very well. You know, uh, maybe that's your calling. Maybe that's what you're talented at. At some point, you just have to accept that and get out of your own head. And I, and I think that's another problem with guys. And, and one of the reasons we set up Walter Mitty syndrome is because we're we're of the erroneous thinking that we are our jobs. 
Oh yeah. Tell me. Oh yeah. I struggle with that. You Mm -hmm. know, um, when I was a clergy pastor person, you know, it was really hard to go away from that because that's who I was. Right. You know, I wasn't Mm -hmm. Billy. I wasn't, you know, your pastor Billy or Reverend Billy or whatever. For Mm -hmm. years, you know, I completely lost that sense of self because it was about being who I was supposed to be. Right. And complete loss of, you know, and who I, of who I really was, you know, and, you know, and I think that, and I think you can be a pastor and be honest. I think you can be a pastor yes. and be you. Yep. But you know, I, I that, you know, it's it's on me. I don't blame it on the profession. I blame it on, you know, it's just like the the egg and the and the potato. Right. How do you react to that hot water? Right. Well, and you I know? think that opens the can of worms on the whole codependency thing too. You know, because I mean, I even saw my mom like kind of slip into this when, you know, when I got, like, I've always, you know, I've done a lot of cool stuff in my life, right? You know, driven race cars, played hockey, been a prominent referee, you know, television, whatever. And, you know, it turned into like where my mom was no longer, surely she was Jason's mom. And she started like owning that too much where it's like, I'm Jason's mom, I'm Jason's mom. And I kind of kind of, I'm like, mom, stop. Like, Jesus, you know, like, I know I'm an only child. I know you love me, but at some point, like (laughs) you're your own person. You're not Jason's mom. You're Shirley. Okay. Like be you, you know? And it's, again, I mean, it's, it's understandable, right? Like, I mean, I'm her only child. I've, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, tons of people know me that don't necessarily know her, but relate her to me. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're Jason's mom. And (sighs) You know, but I saw that. So I think at some point with this, you take it a step further, and that's when the whole codependency thing comes in. Right. You know? You know, I, I've, you know, working master control, I see these daytime TV oh, talk Jesus. shows. And, and you see it time and time <laughs> again when a, when, a, when a mother is on with her kids on one of these shows. Yeah. You know, the mother is complaining about the kid, and the kid is doing this, and the kid is doing right. that. And she's paying the kids' bills. Mm-hmm. She's cleaning up after the kid. Right. You know, and time and time again, you're looking and thinking, yeah. You're griping about this, but this is exactly the way you want it to be, you know. Oh, 100%. And, and I admit, I, I know the struggle because, you know, I'm father of five. Right. And, um, you know, now divorced and living on my own, I still, you know, interact with my kids a lot. Right. But they're growing up. My, my you know, yep. my, um, my two of mine are in college, you know, right. thinking of getting engaged to be married. And, right. you know, as, you know, the empty, empty nest syndrome is coming on pretty quick. Totally, and, totally. And how, how do you, you know, it's, it's hard. I'm trying to figure out how to cope with that. How mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, I've raised these kids, you know, I've helped raise them anyway. And, you know, now they're, you know, they got to make their own choices. Right. They got to be their own people. And I can't be in the middle of everything they're doing no. all the time. No. Know? And I think these are all factors that lead up to slipping into that. Uh, again, I don't even know if syndrome's the right word for it, but if that's what leads into this whole Walter Mitty thing where it's like, these are all factors that can lead to that. You know, it's like, you've been a dad, you've been a father, right? You now remove that and you're, you know, again, not only out on your own, you're also, you know, no kids around. These are all things that can be like, you know, instigate and start the whole what if game, you know, and get you drifting off into no man's land thinking like, oh, well, if I would have just taken a left turn instead of a right turn, or if I would have done this in high school or college instead of this, what would have? And next thing you know, you know, two hours have passed and you've been sitting on the couch drinking a beer and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not a general in the Civil Army or Civil War anymore. Like, what well, happened? It's like the old talk, Talking head song, Once in a Lifetime. Yeah. You well, know, it's a good song, though. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was like suddenly I'm one person and like, wow, you know, I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful house. Where'd that come from? And yeah. 
wait a minute, this is not this is not my nice car. This is not my beautiful yeah. life. Yeah. You know, when it talks about the water holding you down, it's just like the water of life flowing. Yeah. And mediocrity, you know, mediocrity is warm, comfortable water. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it really is. And to it step is. out yes. of, you know, people so talk true. People talk about getting out of the box. When you get out of the box, it's like you get out of the warm water of mediocrity and it's cold and it gives you chills, you know. Oh, that's a great analogy, I mean, though. How, how many times, have, you know, have... I've fallen asleep in the bathtub and the water's still relatively warm, you know, because you, when you, when you work 10 hours and work weird schedules, you do weird things. <laughs> Billy's but, really letting you into his life here. But it's hard. Or even I gr- swear to God, if I ever call you and you're in the bathtub, you're like, hello, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Just sleep. Like, you're in the bathtub, aren't you, Billy? God, anyways. But no, I understand. Yeah. But no, and, you know, even when I was a kid, you know, my, uh, my family had a little resort. There was a nice hot tub and, mm-hmm. But, it, you know, you get in that hot tub and, you know, just like, oh, relaxed and whatnot. Yep. And you know you got to get out. Right. And you sit there and your lazy self and the sun goes down and you know that it's suddenly <laughs> going to be 60 degrees where it was right. 80. Right. And it's going to hurt. Oh, yeah. It hurts to get out of the, com- you know, warm, comfortable waters. So true. But the longer you stay in, those waters flow. They take you yep. places you don't want to go. Golly, that's a good analogy, though. That's so true. Because you think about anything with life, like even, you know, going on the successful track. Well, I mean, you, for instance, like you've been, you know, busting at work to pick up extra hours, build up the bank account, things like that. That ain't easy. Okay. Like 10 hour days. I mean, you're working 60 hours a week, Billy. Right. Plus, that's a lot of freaking hours. Okay. Like that ain't easy. That ain't warm water. The warm water would be your normal 40 hour work week. Head home, have a nice glass of wine. Take your warm bath, right? <laughs> doze off into a nice slumber, and repeat. That would be the the the, the warm. But but like you've in, you've encompassed your job, and you've encompassed this lifestyle of of doing your own thing, being your own guy, and it takes a little bit to get there. Well, I hear people say all the time, you know, I I can't make it, you know, working forty hours a week. Well, then work work sixty hours a week, work fifty hours a week. Pick it up, know? right? I I had an ex girlfriend's dad one time. Um, Oh, a friend of, what was it? A friend of hers was like getting engaged or something or was engaged and her, uh, like they were, they were kind of holding off the wedding because the, the, uh, guy in the relationship, you know, he did okay for himself, but he wasn't, you know, quite financially there. And (laughs) I'll never forget it. He was like, he's like, well, there's, you know, 24 hours in a day. <laughs> Better figure it out. You know, it's like, well, it's like, well, he can't do that. Well, he can deliver papers in the morning and then do that. He's right. He's right. You know, I'm I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's going to be fun to like get up at whatever, deliver papers, and then go to your normal job. But you know what? That's a thing. That's a thing. Like I, I respect the living heck out of the gal who cleans our, our TV station. Yeah. That woman, like she has a very good job in town, a very good job, right? And I mean, she, you know, she runs the finances for a very prominent company in town. She, she has a very good job, but you know what? Like she's at the station at the same time I am in the morning, 3 a.m. cleaning. She cleans, she goes to the gym and goes to her normal job and works till five o'clock at night. Okay. I go to bed at five o'clock at night. Okay. Like I respect the hell out of this woman. You know, I mean, it's like, I don't know how she does it, frankly. I have no idea. But there again, you know what? Like, and, and I'm very good friends with her husband. And he's like, dude, like our house is almost paid off. You know, we barely, we, it's only been a couple of years since we've lived there and our house is almost paid off. Once that house is paid off, 
it's amazing how much more capital you have floating around. Oh, no doubt. And amazing how much more your your lifestyle frees up. You no longer have to live that lifestyle. But I think it's Dave Ramsey says that where it's like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, live like no one else so you can in turn live like no one else or something like that. And it's true. You know, keep yourself from slipping into that nonsense and 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 take it to that level. Yeah, you know, a mixture of hard work and hard play. You know, that's that was one of the things I liked. You know, a lot of things I didn't like about Alaska, but a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of things that I did – that was kind of the motif, you know, work hard, live hard, play hard. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. And time flies when you're working like that. Oh my gosh. And the next thing you're you know, me. <laughs> you know, but you know, your next thing you know, you look up and like, Hey, you know, I've right. got money in the bank account. No, it's true. It's true. You know, and I've been, you know, and I'm in the same boat right now where it's like, I've been working, you know, six day weeks or whatever. Uh, cause we're, we're short on people. Granted, my six days are nowhere near like Billy's, you know, mine are normally seven or eight where Billy's 10. So I mean, <laughs> That's a whole different ballgame. But no, it is nice, you know, and and y'all find out eventually, Billy already knows why uh, there's a little extra capital needed right now. Right. But um, it couldn't have come at a better time, although it sucks. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not fun. Um, I That extra capital is very beneficial right now. And again, y'all know eventually, but um, so these are all things that, you know, they're, they're circumstances. It's all how you kind of soak them up and how you, you react to them. But, you know, you start letting that stuff get to you and it's amazing how, how quickly all of a sudden it, it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And the only light at the end of the tunnel is something that doesn't actually exist. Right. It's a lifestyle that you're, you're making up, you know? And that's the thing, you know, and I think another thing that causes Walter Mitty syndrome is looking around at, you know, everybody else and thinking everybody else is right. Um, M. Scott Peck wrote the road less traveled, I think. And mm-hmm. one of the first things he says in that book is life is hard and it's oh, not yeah. just hard for you. It's hard for everybody. Yep. You yep. know, everybody has problems. Mm-hmm. Everybody has things going on in their life that they don't want to talk about. Right. No matter how perfect, no matter how pretty, no matter how set it looks, and how right. good it looks. Right. Folks have problems. Oh, yeah. Folks have issues. Yep. You know, nothing is perfect for anybody. And, and, you know, and I think that's one of the problems with social media is, oh, yeah. you know, people look and say, oh, this person is traveling and this person has left their hometown <laughs> and whatnot. And, right, right. You know, and, um, you know, somebody was was messaging me the other day saying, I can't believe how you've made something of yourself. You know, you've blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm living in a studio apartment in downtown Great Falls. <laughs> I have, you know, 180 bucks in my bank account. I don't really feel like I'm something. Right. But the person was but like, to that person, but, like, but you got out of here. You got out of this place. Yeah. Well, you know, I got out of a town of 90,000 people, you know, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> Mind you, there's 60 in Gray Falls. But right. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the grass is not always greener and you really, I mean, you think about it, like, just because they're, you know, some big, rich, prominent family, you know, and you you emulate, you're like, ah, Lee, like, can't imagine what it'd be like to, you know, and, and okay, so going back to the Shrine show, you know, again, it's TV show, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's fake, whatever. Right. But it, it's interesting because, you know, it, 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 it it's Mary, Queen of Scots, and kind of, it's not really historically correct, but but the plot and the, the storyline, which really stands out to me is like, it goes through all these issues that the Royal family is constantly dealing with. It is like nonstop. Just when you think like, okay, they can take a breather. The Royal family doesn't have to met. Nope. 
just kidding. <laughs> now you got a noble trying to steal the castle, or now you got a plague outbreak, or and, whatever. And if you think that, well, that's a fictional account, well, just look at the modern royal day family. Yeah. You know, I saw yeah. an interview with poor Meghan Markle, you know, oh, geez, oh she, she married a prince and she, her life is set. Yeah. I mean, she, okay. was, she was, you know, almost weeping. Yeah. Because the British press and the tabloids just absolutely rip her to shreds right. every single day. I know. You know. I know. And, and you know, you can't imagine in the, the stress and pressure from within. Right. You know. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Can you imagine? Especially not being of royal anything or prominence right. of anything. Just just an American girl. Man. You know, good in acting. And, yeah. You know, and, that's, and that's, you know. In Europe, I think you know birthright is still you know a big deal. Classicism is slowly oh, dying. Oh, it but, is. Yes, but it's but it's still there. It's still present. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, you know? all of Britain is like that. Mm-hmm. No, very it, much so. But yeah, I mean the the pressures, you know, and and I'm, I remember what it was like being a preacher. Oh, I'm depressed. But oh, here comes some people. I better put a you smile on. You don't care. Yep, exactly. You don't get to be depressed. You don't get to have an off day. And that's you're not, you're not sick. And there's never anything wrong with you. you right. Know, and you feel the need to right to press that myth- mythology. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. No, that's something I I personally have struggled with with broadcasting. People don't care, okay? You know, Martha Biddy over here sitting on her couch at 2 in the morning doesn't care what my day is like. Right. She doesn't care that I just spilled coffee on myself. She doesn't care that I may or may not have, you know, broke up with a significant other. She doesn't care that I made a hit a deer on my way to work. She doesn't, oh, no, it fell off. She doesn't care about any of that. What she cares is that she wants to see her weather forecast, and she wants to be entertained. She wants you to be in a good mood. Right, exactly. They don't care. That's the thing that's so hard with entertainment, and you know, and I at least, thank God, like can see that and realize that, but that's where a lot of these folks who are in, you know, again, a lot more prominent than me, obviously, it's very easy. Like, you know, everybody wants you to be perfect. Everybody wants you to, you know... Well, that's not the case. You're a human just like the other person. Just because you might be world famous doesn't mean anything. Doesn't still mean put, anything. Still put your britches on one leg at a time. Exactly. Sometimes both legs in one and, and I fall and <laughs> it's a bad deal. Right. You know? So, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's one of those deals that, yeah. Don't slip into Walter Mitty syndrome. That's that's the end of the, the, the story here, I guess. But. You know, just value value your life. Right. Value your potential. Right. And there's nothing wrong with playing an online fantasy game. There's no. nothing wrong with playing Xbox. Just don't get immersed in it. You know, how many people do I know that their life is complete garbage because they all, you know, they they, they exist to play Xbox no, because there's somebody there. Yeah. You know, yeah. they matter there. Right. You know, you, you, you know you, that person probably matters more in the real everyday life than they realize. Right. No, you know? 100%. Well, like you just hit the nail on the head where it's like, you know, just because, you know, you may think that your life isn't to where it could be or whatever. To somebody else, whole different ballgame. Whole different ballgame. You know, when I even look at that, like, there was a study published, like, even uh, here locally. I forget where we got the information, but it broke down, like, you know, the the median incomes and the low incomes for, for our uh, Great Falls area, you know, Cascade County or whatever. And I look at, like, where the median income was. I'm like, how in the hell... Does anybody survive on that? How? That's the median. That is that is what the majority of people in this town make. And I'm like, I don't understand it. I live in a two-bedroom fourplex. Okay. You live in a studio. Like, you like, what the hell? How does somebody how? Are they more they've got to be mortgaged to the hilt? So, anyways, at the end of the day, it's like, all right. 
Like, okay, so I don't fall into that median category, but I guarantee there's not one person in that median or low category that wouldn't want to be where I am. Right. You know, so the days I'm sitting here, you know, whining about this, that, or the other, it's like, you know what? It ain't, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, you know, I hear people say, Billy, I can't, I can't believe the hours that you work. Well, you mm-hmm. know, last week, it was last Friday, I went into the loafing jug that's right beside my um, place. Yeah. And I go in, there's a really nice guy. He's a cashier. He can cash me out. Yeah. I go back like at 830 at night to pick up something. And the guy looks like, I mean, just like rode hard and put up wet. Wow. He'd been there all that time. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. And two, you know, I, I think, well, you know, I really haven't risen to, you know, any lofty height, but I, you know, I go to the bank and the, the girl's kind of looking at me interested. Like, what do you right. do for a living? Oh, I'm a master control technician for a TV station. And suddenly, oh, wow. Well, no, but it's true, dude. Like I was telling AJ this, you know, kid you work with. And I was telling him this the other day, like when I bring little kids through, especially the little kids, like when I bring through them through the station, like, yeah, the studio's cool. Yeah, whatever. Dude, they are enthralled with master control. That is like the bat cave. That is like the yeah. epicenter of the world right there to them. They love that stuff, you know? And I mean, I brought, okay, so <clears throat> a very prominent, were you there? No, you weren't there yesterday. I'll tell you who this guy is off the air. But anyways, a fairly like prominent guy um, in the local television land. We'll just leave it at that. Anyways, like I was, you know, uh, I got to know the guy. I had no idea who he was when I first started talking to him. Anyways, like I brought him through master control yesterday and he was just like, and he's worked master control even. And he, he, he was just blown away. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, just, just so freaking cool where technology's come and what you guys do and all that. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, to somebody else, you never know. You never know. You you could be, you literally could be their Walter Mitty syndrome. Yeah. You could be. As a master control operator, you may not think that it's anything. You're like, I punch some buttons, whatever. But to somebody, that you might be their Walter Mitty syndrome. Me as a broadcaster, I might be their Walter Mitty syndrome. Okay? Um, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, just just remember that. If you feel, feel yourself slipping into that, wondering, like, is the grass really greener on the other side? Or is the, you know, just remember that. You may be somebody else's Walter Mitty syndrome, whatever point in life you are. You know, I, I always try to look at the good stuff. You know, it's like, I, I don't really have to deal with politics. No, you know, no. You know, people deal with office politics and corporate politics. You know, I, I go in there and do my job to the best of my ability. And as yeah. long as I do it well. Everybody, I get along with everybody. Well, and I mean, you, know? you kind—I of, mean, you kind of run the show back there. I mean, nobody's really breathing down your neck. Nobody's bothering you. You know, everybody's freaking bothering me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm serious. It's crossed my mind. There's days where I'm like, God, I should just go do master control. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I mean, you don't have is- to read all emails. You don't have to deal with all dweebs out in public. Oh my gosh. I mean, Nobody knows who the heck you are. Oh my God. Like some days what I would like, again, it's one of those things where when you're not in a role, well, and again, this is great falls. It's not even like you may be listening to this podcast and be like, Oh, who's Jason? You know, this is great falls. Okay. Like I'm not talking like New York city. Everybody knows who I am here, but like you go out in town and everybody in their breath, there is days I would give just about anything to be able to like go into Walmart looking like hell and come out of Walmart and not be bothered. Right. There, honestly, there there is oh, yeah. days. You know, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. I enjoy getting recognized. I enjoy talking to folks who know who I am. But there is days where it's just like, I just honestly- Love to have some anonymity. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I mean, even in, like, I can't even imagine you take that to like a, you know, a George Strait or a Carrie Underwood or whatever. I can't even imagine at that level. Right. You know? You so, can't, can't go anywhere. You can't no. really, you know. So just remember that. You literally could be somebody's daydream, somebody's life, uh, and you just don't even know it. So, so when you sit there and think to yourself, like, oh, this is so bad, this is so awful. Listen, to somebody, your life might be their, their escape, you know? Right. Something to think about. Anyways, I man, we hit that one. That was a good one. So long story short, we actually recorded this podcast once already, and my... We lost it. I, I, I didn't record it properly. It, 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 we may have been. I think this one was better. We, we should... I'll have to pull the old one and see if I can't mess with it just for our own personal listening, but I think we really nailed it on this one, Billy. Yeah, it was, it was a good topic. Yeah, I'm, it's a good topic. Glad we did this one. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you want to get involved on the conversation, we'd love for you to check us out on Facebook, just Cattle Barons Club there, uh, online, www.cattlebaronsclub.com. Uh, check us out there. Subscribe, iTunes, all the fancy podcast places, we're there. What am I missing, Billy? We got the website, we got the Facebook we're connected. Billy's we're cell wired. number is one eight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for a good time, call. For, for a good time, call Billy. Uh, I'm gonna start writing your. We should. That actually would be good. We should do an experiment and write your uh, number on bathroom walls and just see. <laughs> see how many calls. Oh God, that'd be awful. Well, as always, thanks for joining us on the Cattle Barons Club. Check us out online, Facebook, the website, the whole nine yards. Tell your friends about us. Hopefully, we haven't run you off yet. Have a good one. Get in on the conversation. Like the Cattle Barons Club on Facebook. The Cattle Barons Club podcast is a service of Jason Laird Productions, LLC. For the latest episodes and contact information, visit us online at cattlebaronsclub.com.